A carbon trading initiative in Uganda has seen thousands evicted from their land and a quiltwork of powerful interests that has worked hard to sideline local opposition to the scheme. Tonight, we're joined on the phone by Frédéric Mousseau, policy director at the Oakland Institute in California, days after the release of their brief, Evicted for Carbon Credits, Norway, Sweden, and Finland Displace Ugandan Farmers for Carbon Trading. Frédéric, welcome back to Amandla. Thank you. Very glad to be back in the program. Thank you. So, Green Resources is a Norwegian forestry company that has established a pine plantation in Kachung in Uganda as a carbon trading initiative and with the additional stated goals of climate mitigation and local development. On the surface, this sounds pretty okay. What's the problem? Yeah, it sounds good, and uh, we we hear a lot about deforestation and environmental degradation, so it sounds good to plant trees. The problem is that the, the trees they are planting, are, well, there are many problems. The first one is that uh, these trees are pine trees, non-native, mm-hmm. that are planted not to reforest Uganda, as the company and the financiers claim, but as a, as a way to, to do business because this timber will be harvested and sold. So that's one first thing. It's not like they are reforesting Uganda. Uh, and they are reforesting with non-native pine trees, which are very prone to wildfires. As we know, these days, uh, wildfires are really an issue today in climate mm-hmm. change. But even more problematic is that not only they sell this timber, they also sell carbon credit based on this uh, on this plantation. So they, you have Norway and Finland who plant pine trees in Uganda and sell carbon credits to Sweden. Mm-hmm. So all three government agencies involved, uh, uh, all these claiming that this will be a, a good solution to climate change, meaning the way the carbon trading system works, a polluter can uh, continue to pollute and then will buy credits from somebody else elsewhere who doesn't pollute and who actually uh, do carbon sequestration. So it's what they they present to be doing. But as as you said uh, in the introduction, uh, the the most problematic issue that we have raised from the beginning uh, was not necessarily about this carbon economy, was that to do all this, uh, they had to evict thousands of farmers. There are 17 villages surrounding this plantation. People who used to be there farming, doing uh, all kind of uh, activities for their livelihoods in the area, including grazing, including the collection of live uh, wild food, timber, uh, firewood. All this has been really jeopardized by this, uh, by this plantation. And, and over the years, people in the area uh, are really suffering from this uh, from this uh, loss of land they've uh, they faced. Can you tell us a little bit about more about the evictions? When did they happen, and how did they happen? So the, uh, the evictions have taken place over the years. So it's not necessarily that people had to move from their village. People are still in the same villages, but they their farming and grazing activities have been prevented by the, the company and, the, and the, the security forces. The, it's not the company and the company say, oh, we haven't evicted anyone. Uh, it is the government of Uganda who proceeded to the evictions. Mm-hmm. They, they claim this is a forest reserve, so it used to be a, a reserve, uh, for like a natural reserve for our forest, and people used to go in this reserve and, and use this reserve for decades uh, as, uh, uh, as for their livelihoods. 
but from this reserve was transformed uh, in a, into a plantation, and this is when the government started evictions uh, some uh, 10 years ago. Now, one, another one of the claims is they say, okay, you know, it's really in the end, um, you know, they argue that this was underutilized land, which is not something unusual to hear about Africa. This dates back to colonial periods of, you know, people were not mm-hmm. using the land or occupying the land, which, you know, certainly historically we know has been absolutely inaccurate. But they're using this claim and they're saying that, in fact, by introducing this plantation, this does represent local development. These are jobs. Um, what do you say to that? Yeah, it's really the argument they put forward. And this, again, this looks very good on paper. We have, we fight climate change and at the same time we, we bring sustainable development to this poor African country. This is really how they portray the, the project. We are, we are there to, uh, not to make any business, even if it's a private business uh, firm. Uh, they, they say they come to fight climate change and they come to create jobs and to create development. Mm-hmm. But, Yes, true. They have 130 jobs on the on the plantation, but the, the problem is that the, the 17 villages had a population or have a population which is of thousands, and uh, these uh, these thousands of people who can't farm and graze or collect their firewood anymore uh, have been uh, have seen their livelihood really undermined by the project. So you do have 100 something jobs created, but you have thousands of, uh, of, of, of lives which are affected. And, and the, the, the company and its financiers together, they work really closely together. They claim that they do a lot of things for the local population, so they will, they will make a well, or they will say, oh, we have, uh, because people can't access anymore the, the forest, we're going to do a program to teach them how to use uh, fuel-efficient uh, stoves mm-hmm. that won't use as much firewood. Uh, so they won't provide even the, the stoves, but they do. They take a few dozens of people and they organize a training on how to make a, uh, a more full efficient uh, stove. So they do, they do this kind of activities, and then they say, oh, we do development. See, all our social responsibility check is there. We have done this and, and, and that activity. But at the end of the day, uh, this yeah, I mean, we, we, we take your resources and we, and we teach you how to do without them, and that's really pathetic. Yeah, it's not only pathetic, I have to say, reading the, the brief and some of your previous reports on this, there's a very strong streak of paternalism and racism in this whole relationship, no? Yes, completely. Our, our previous report uh, two years ago was called Carbon Colonialism, because it was, it was really, uh, it, it, it was really the tone as I just described. We, we're going to we're going to bring development and bring business, and uh, and this is good for for this country. Okay, all the people, they are subsistence farmers anyway. They live, they are backward. We're going to teach them modern agriculture technique, modern stove techniques, and then they will do better. But it's uh, it's really a shame because, uh, as I say, once you've taken the, the the land and all the natural resources people rely on for their for their livelihood, you you can. Still, do aside modern uh, modern agriculture, modern plantation, as as, as they claim, but uh, the, their livelihoods are, uh, are deteriorating, and and they don't see any any outcome for them. They don't see, apart from the few who have the, the jobs, they don't see any development. It has been over ten years now. You you go back there, the population is growing in the area, and uh, there's no development outcome at all for the for the local people. It's rather 
food security crisis that has been worsening year after year because uh, the, the, the plantation is there and there's no new opportunity, new development opportunity, no redistribution of the profit to the local population, as you could expect. Maybe they could share some of the profit, but none of this is, is happening. Mm-hmm. So it is it is a serious crisis for the people and uh, and a big uh, a big lie from all these uh, all these actors is mostly Scandinavian actors who are there pretending they they do development and fight the climate change and do something very important for the world. There's another added level of complexity to this story, and that's the whole issue of accreditation. So monitoring to what degree these are actually environmental and sustainable uh, initiatives that respect local populations. So your brief refers to three uh, accreditation organizations that are internationally recognized, seemingly credible. Uh, Tell us about their role in this whole story. Sure. Uh, first thing I have to say is that uh, I, I won't believe anymore the, the FSC label I, I find on, on, uh, on the wood, on furnitures, when I go shopping, because uh, the, the Forest Stewardship, uh, Stewardship Council, that is the, the leading certification agency for, for wood and timber, uh, has been really... Uh, uh, yeah, can't find my word... <laughs> Has been really misrepresenting mm-hmm. what was what's happening about the about the project, turning a blind eye, and we've we've cited in our in our reports we we have actually screenshots of some of the reports that are in complete denial of the of the reality on the ground, and you can you can see in our reports we we have screenshots showing there's no complaint, there's no displacement, that the, the programs for development and food security are happening, everything is going well, so they can get their certification. This is, this is certainly the most treasures because this FSC certifies forests around the world and is, uh, is really believed by many consumers, including here in North America, as, uh, as a guarantee to, 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 to get sustainable harvested wood that is done properly in respect for the environment and the population, which is really not the case in, the, in, in Uganda from what we have seen. So this is one. The other one that is also shocking when you get into the reporting and the way to look at the plantation is the United Nations Cleaning, mm-hmm. clean, clean Development Mechanism. So this is the mechanism established at the United Nations to, to manage the carbon trading business. So as I was describing earlier, you have polluters who can buy carbon credits and they can continue to pollute. So the Clean Development Mechanism is the one managing this business at the international level, calculating how much credit you can get from uh, from a tree or from a plantation, and uh, and do it being the broker basically between the polluter and the and the planter. And uh, uh, it's very interesting when you when you get into their reports and their literature. The, the the CDM, the Clean Development Mechanism. Uh, again, like FSC, just turn a blind eye to uh, all the problems and issues with the, with the plantations and the displacement of the, of the people. But even worse than that, there's the, the, this word of leakage, carbon leakage, in the evaluation of the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, you, you, yeah, you might be surprised, but leakage for them, 
for them in the for their experts in the in their reporting is what farmers will do as uh, using the land as planting or harvesting timber yeah. or gra- grazing on this land so this is a carbon leakage so anything that will happen that will uh, reduce the, the 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 impact of the plantation of the amount of carbon credit will be seen as leakage even if it is uh, an activity which is essential to the livelihood of the people locally Yes, it's a shockingly kind of disparaging attitude about locals who are simply engaging in subsistence agriculture. It's almost like blaming the victim. You, yeah, and, and you call it leakage. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you're doing development in Africa and, and, and people uh, planting crops for their, just to feed their family yeah. uh, are, are, are causing a leakage. Mm-hmm. It's Stouting. kind of technocratic technocratic language that was really shocking when we when we saw it first time and the, the third actor which is not as prominent but is, it, it is important too because it has it is bringing together a number of uh, environmental organizations and some prominent uh, ngos it is a cba which is a uh, um, um, I'm losing the I'm losing the world. It's, it's an alliance, basically, CCBA on the on the on the carbon uh, on the carbon credit and 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 uh, and, uh, and this sequestration thing. The the, the full the full name of the organization will come back to. Oh, me it's the uh, Climate Community and Biodiversity Alliance. Is that it? Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, and these two have validated the project, uh, and uh, it's problematic not not because it, it's as I said, it's not as prominent as the others, but it is uh, it is a stamp you get from uh, a coalition of NGOs, environmental NGOs, who approve the project. So this is uh, this is also an issue because uh, you have uh, you have this whole coalition of three governments, three certification agencies all together on one project in Uganda to, to make the carbon economy, the carbon trading uh, dream work, to, work for the, or to, or to pretend it works for the world and for Ugandans. So I, one of the, I guess one of the questions that I was left with is it is true there is this kind of coming together of all of these forces. There are There's the company itself. There are these three accreditation um, organizations. Then there's development banks from three Scandinavian countries. There's this kind of almost huge collusion going on. But, I mean, in the end, for instance, the accreditation organizations, what do they have to gain from this when – from a business perspective, it's failing, which is why two development banks had to kind of jump in and kick in with money and then accreditation companies that are putting this veneer that this is all a good thing. Why? What's, what stake do they have in this? Um, we, we've been wondering how, how come such when one, program, one project there in Uganda gets so much investment, interest, how, how much Norway and Finland have, have spent uh, between 40 and 50 million dollars in the recent years on this project. It, it's huge. They, they all spend so much money and uh, send all these consultants and do, do all this communication. At the, at the moment, they are sparing no effort to respond to our uh, to our report with communique and denials and so on. So they're really they're really big on it. And we've been wondering, we've been asking ourselves the same question. Uh, uh, what what, what we can, uh, well, I mean, some guesses we, we, we could uh, we could have is one that 
there's a lot of collusion between the different uh, agencies, institutions, with people moving from one to the other. They know, they all know it's a small world. Mm -hmm. They all know each other, and all these certification agencies they, uh, have their business with these institutions. They, they all business, they all raison d'être is to work uh, on doing monitoring and studies and publishing. So they they have to they have to make it work. They have to make it work for those. Who, who commission the work they, they're doing. So they are, they are not independent at all, as uh, contrary to what it is what is stated. They are really uh, commissioned to do certain certain work, and they are always favorable. And, and in this case, they are clearly very biased in favor of the company and the finances. And then we can ask the same question about Norway, Finland, Sweden, why why are they putting so much uh, in the in this basket why are they investing so much in this project and this is another puzzling question for us and something we we're asking norway and uh, i don't know frankly we haven't had a clear answer from norway one guess could be that norway is such uh, norway is, uh, as you know is certainly uh, is the largest uh, european producer of oil and gas it is, as such, one of the largest uh, emitters of, uh, of carbon mm -hmm. in Europe, and uh, most of its uh, of its wealth and its, uh, the large part of its economy, 40% of its economy, relies on the, on this production and export of mm -hmm. oil and gas. So what we can assume is that the Norway is working very hard to make this carbon economy dream uh, happen yeah. because this is a way to continue to do things uh, business as usual and to continue to, to, to run the economy without really addressing the, the, the core problems we have in, in the world today around climate change and the way our economy is run with, uh, based on, on fossil fuels. And uh, I'm afraid this is, uh, this is the key behind all this is for for the for the richest countries to continue to do uh, as they have been doing for decades, uh, they they just go on this kind of uh, insane solutions of okay we're going to go to Uganda and plant pine trees and we're going to have carbon credits and this going to this going to be the, the solution for us. It doesn't work at all, but this is uh, what they are working very hard to 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 make happen because it is uh, the, the whole economy of these uh, countries and of the West in general that is uh, relying on. Yeah, Frederic, we only have a couple more minutes. And I just I can't end this without talking, bringing it back to the Ugandans and and resistance to this. These are very powerful interests. What are people on the ground who are experiencing this dispossession? How are they responding to it? Yeah, thank you for bringing this. I, I, I know you, you you always like to to bring it back to the people, and it's also what matters to us because it is really why we have been involved. It's about this land grabbing and what was happening to the people, and this is how we got involved in this carbon economy story. There is a, a court case at the moment with uh, over 300 people over over the, the, the land rights and the loss of land. Mm. Uh, so contrary to what is stated in a number of these documents, there is there, there is opposition and uh, and a lawyer working uh, on that to, to to defend the claim of the of the local people. But 
Beyond that, if you go there, talk to the people, you, you hear a lot of complaints and frustration and people saying that they're really struggling to, to make a living today because of all these constraints now with, uh, with the plantation around them. And uh, the government is against them. The government has declared them uh, squatters on their own land and uh, was the one responsible to evict them. So they, they by, by the law, they, they are not, their, their land rights are not recognized on this land. And uh, the only hope is, is from these companies and from these financiers. This is, uh, this is uh, very sad because we, 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 we've talked about how deceitful these uh, 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 actors can be. So this is really why we, we've been, again, this is our third report. We've been really persistent in exposing what has been happening there because uh, uh, there's, uh, there's a real lack of support for the, for the local population there and uh, no much hope with this uh, years and years of uh, uh, monitoring and reports and audits and, and still the same thing happening with this plantation. Yeah. So for people who would like to learn more about this, uh, where can they go? How can they find out more? Uh, of course, you can visit the Auckland Institute uh, website, which is aucklandinstitute.org, and we have a homepage today is, uh, about uh, this project, uh, Evicted for Carbon Credit. We have uh, our reports, but we have also eviction notices and a lot of evidence around what we, what we say. Uh, as well as uh, some of the communication we've had with this, uh, these different actors from for the, the, the different governments involved and so on, and the company itself. So there's a lot of documentation on the on the website, OaklandInstitute.org. Okay, thank you so much. As usual, wonderfully informative. Merci. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Merci à toi. Bonsoir.